What's going on, everyone? Justin here with the throw and just getting settled in. I uh, want to apologize for my absence uh, as of yesterday because I was ended up, I was uh, basically, um, I was getting set up for the show. I had a couple of errands to run um, and we ended up going on and um, I had to get a couple of things done to end up pushing the time back over and over and over again. And then what ended up happening was that the weather, because it was nice and cold, it was windy and all that fun stuff, just took presence and ended up kind of just gave me a terrible position to put on a show. So I want to apologize for not putting on a show uh, as of yesterday, but... Very excited. We got a lot to talk about, you guys. We have ourselves plenty to talk about, including last night on Monday Night Raw. Now, the NBA and the NHL playoffs are officially among us, and there's already already stories lingering around the NBA, and especially with what happened last night between Draymond Green and Sabonis. And we'll definitely have that conversation in today's episode because you know it's simple it's playoff time people are going to be aggressive but when you're a when you're the guy or one of the guys on a team that's in the playoffs you could bet your bottom dollar that the entire the referees are going to pay close attention to you and you're not going to get a lot of I guess you say leeways. So um, we are expected to be here for the remainder of the week. Hopefully everything kind of just works itself out. And um, hopefully this is a good show. Now I am going to double check because it's been a couple days. I got to double check audio and make sure audio is sound and ready. All right. <laughs> I'm happy with the audio, so uh, we're looking pretty good um, here. All right, so what's the first thing we need, we need to talk about? And I think we're just going to dive in to the WWE and everything that has progressed over the last 40 years. So a couple, a couple of days, as a matter of fact, because we missed, we missed SmackDown. Okay, we missed talking, getting ready for SmackDown, and we missed, I guess, what you say, uh, we didn't really get ready for Raw last night. So let's kind of catch up 
and talk to you guys about those couple of things. So, first of all, the WWE draft is may is going to be next Saturday, next Friday. From my mistake, if I'm not mistaken, the WWE draft is going to be underway next Friday, April the 28th, and it's going to follow into that Monday. And I'm assuming, like I said, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm assuming that that draft, then we head into backlash, and then that Monday afterwards is when the draft would be official. Raw and SmackDown split brands. And... You know, there's a lot of people that are saying that this is a, this is a good, you know, a lot of people don't like it, and a lot of people do like the brand split. This is the third, um, you would call, brand split since they first started this 20, 20 years ago. You have, and I feel like there's, you know, we, we're about, what, three weeks away from backlash. And then we're about two weeks away from the draft. And I feel like a couple of things need to happen if you're going to run and have yourself a successful draft. One of those things are you're going to have to have general managers for both respected brands. Adam Pierce cannot jump back and forth between Raw and between SmackDown. I'm not saying that he's done a bad job. He's done a really good job, but he can't go continue to go back and forth, back and forth. I think there needs to be one GM for Raw and one GM for SmackDown. And this is when things get a bit exciting because we don't know what's in store. Now, all we've been told is that Triple A is claiming that this this, uh, draft is going to be new and bigger and better. And one second. There we go. So we talk about the draft, and it's supposed to be coming next Friday. And we talked about the GMs, and it's exciting. This is going to be exciting because officially, and I hope as long as everything goes down the right path, that we can see Triple H, Paul Levesque, be the one who has complete control over who goes to what brand, what's the new idea. You know, we did not quite see a come up that we expected the night after WrestleMania. And usually the night after WrestleMania is notorious for people to either make their debuts, either to make their returns, or whatever the case may be. And we didn't quite see that the night after WrestleMania or falling into, you know, SmackDown. And I'm not here to go mean mug or, you know, be, you know, be hatred towards Matt Riddle, but Let's be real for a moment. Matt Riddle didn't necessarily throw a pop out. Oh, great, he returned. And I feel like I've expressed myself 
and how he is on, you know, involvement with the bloodline, Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. But I hope that with this draft, he says, Triple H says, everyone is available. And I'm like, great. So everyone is available. And hopefully we see some new things happen. Now, that means we could see some come-ups from, you know, from NXT, which is great. We could hopefully see one or two possible returns, just like we saw Shinsuke Nakamura back on Friday night return. I thought that was so wonderful. But we really just don't know what is to come of this WWE draft. So we're, we're waiting and seeing. Next Friday... April 28th, not the 18th, April the, the 28th. I knew I messed up somewhere. <laughs> exactly, you know, especially exactly 10 days from today, we will see the begin of the WWE draft. All right, so what do we got talking for us today? The NBA will get you into uh, the highlights, the updates, and the stories that linger around the NBA, the NHL began their postseason and we'll talk a little bit about that the Cincinnati Reds beat one of the, beat considerably the best team in baseball as of today in the Tampa Bay Rays and they beat they beat them through the bullpen and they're hoping you know with two games left in this home stands and two games left in this series they're hoping sending Nick Lodolo out tonight that the Reds could go on and pull off a victory. So we'll talk about the Reds and the Rays uh, coming up later in our program. The NFL draft is still here, is among us. And it's a week from Thursday. And where does that place the Cincinnati Bengals at? We're going to start talking about the draft as the draft gets closer, getting back into football. Um, You also think about Things such as, I'm just thinking here, things such as, uh, um, you know, uh, we'll talk about the Jalen Hurts deal and that new uh, franchise uh, quarterback for the next six years for the uh, Eagles. And what does that have to necessarily do with uh, Joe Burrow? And we'll talk about that here in today's program. All right. We're kind of all over the place, so I apologize because we're just getting underway. We're, we're trying to, um, it's been a couple of days since we've been on the air, uh, so we're getting right back into the swing of things. So the first thing I think comes to mind is what did you guys think of Monday Night Raw last night? Now, I didn't necessarily watch from start to finish the Raw. I caught bits and pieces. And... It seemed to be okay, right? I mean, there's a couple different directions that we're that the WWE, I guess, is going down heading into this draft. And you know, I am optimistic about the future. I'm willing and ready to give you know the WWE the benefit of the doubt, the opportunity, the chance to you know, come off this this draft and see what they have in store for the future. So last night we saw actually a couple of things. We actually saw some matches confirmed 
at Backlash on May 6th. We saw Adam Pierce, who gave Cody Rhodes the clearance to, hey, you, you know, you're not going to call out Brock Lesnar. You two are not going to get into a feud tonight. But, and I'll, in, in, in return, I'll give you what you want. And that's a match with Brock Lesnar. And right off the bat, Brock Lesnar is, is uh, you know, Cody Rhodes is now on his, the road to build him back, himself back up, right? Cody Rhodes, we, we, you know, we talked about this heavenly the fat past few weeks. He goes and he loses against Roman Reigns at WrestleMania. And this is an indication that, all right, this feud isn't done. We know that this feud between Roman and Cody isn't done. But what we do know is that Cody Rhodes has to come back and earn that title shot once again. And the first obstacle that stands in Cody Rhodes' ray is Brock Lesnar. Now, now I've expressed myself previously that I like this idea. I like the concept that Cody Rhodes has to go to Brock Lesnar. And if they play this storyline right, the, the build-up back to Roman Reigns, um, then I really do truly believe that this could be a good storytelling in the making. It kind of concerns me with the upcoming draft where Cody Rhodes is in place. Because we have this draft coming up, and there's a lot of questions that I think we that are left unanswered. And so we have to answer them. And, uh, you know, one of the questions that we see is, what are they going to do with the titles? And I mean, what are they planning on doing with the um, Roman Reigns undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Is this title something that is going to be cross-branded? Because the whole point of a draft and a brand split is to split the brands in half and have talent on Raw, have talent on SmackDown, and only confine into their restraints to you know where the storylines could go. You don't want to see raw rosters go over to SmackDown and SmackDown go over to Raw on the note that you know unless I think if it's warranted. And the only time something like that is warranted is if we you know, like Survivor Series, you do War Games, SmackDown versus Raw. So, Cody Rhodes has his foot, you know, he has his work cut out for him. And it's going to be interesting to see who goes to what brand and if they're going to implement it. Because if they don't implement it, it all goes up in the air, right? If you don't implement this draft, you don't implement it, all right, you're, you're drafted to Raw, you're going to stay on it. Right, don't show up on SmackDown. If you implement it, you could you could be like, all right, here we go. So, all right, I, I gotta I gotta talk about something when we come back from break, and that is the um, we're gonna talk about the mayhem from Raw. We're gonna take a break. We're gonna come back, regroup, and talk about the mayhem that happened and the chaos that ended Monday Night Raw, which got me very fired up 
for today's program. So I want to thank everyone and say hello. If you guys are watching us on our YouTube channel, hit that like, share, and subscribe button if you haven't done so already. Be sure to have those notifications on and don't miss a single episode, uh, you know, for every, you know, weekdays. And then if you guys are watching us on Facebook and our Twitter, we thank you. Hit that like button. Share this video with a friend. Say, hey, we're live. And if you're looking to come in and come into the comment section, I want to hear what you guys have to say. So come into the comment section. Let me know what you guys think about the stories that we're talking about today. If there's something that you guys want me to weigh in my opinions or my thoughts, and I'll be gladly to answer them for you in the comment section on our live show. If you guys are listening to us on our audio platforms, we thank you for downloading us and making us your sports talk show. So we're going to take a first time out of the program. Come on back. Two hours with Justin here on the throwing. Available on the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel. Twelve twenty here on the program. Thank you guys for tuning in to us all here on the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel. This program is given to you thanks to StreamYard Studios. Create your podcast, videos, host virtual business meetings, and conduct interviews. Check out their free version today at StreamYard.com, the proud home of the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel. Also want to give a shout out to Epidemic Sound. Discover your world-class artists, composers, and bands. Find the perfect soundtrack and give your social media accounts the music they deserve. Epidemic Sound is a royalty-free music link. For more information, check out epidemicsound.com. All right, so the W. Here's the timetable for people who are trying to keep up and follow the WWE and what's coming up. We have the WWE draft a 10 days, 10 days from today, which is Friday, uh, April 28th on SmackDown. And then that's going to roll over into Monday night raw. And from my understanding, I think then the rosters will be separated after backlash with, which is May the 6th. So, when, but we had mayhem last night, and it kind of got me excited and, and looking forward to realistically what potentially could come. And I, I don't want to talk about this because it relays into what the next topic that I wanted to talk about on this program. But let's talk about the mayhem for a second last night on. Raw, where basically what you guys saw at the beginning of the program was that business had to be done between the Judgment Day and the Bloodline. I, both fractions stood in the center of the ring and basically said, hey, I'm going to help you and you help us. And it kicked things off between Solo Sokoa and Rey Mysterio. And... Then at the end of the night, we saw a six-man tag team match 
between Riddle, Sammy, and Kevin versus the Judgment Day. And the goal was Solo Sokoa was going to take out Rey Mysterio. In return, the Judgment Day was going to manhandle, take out Riddle, Sammy, and Kevin. This is all before the six-man tag match that is scheduled for Backlash on May 6th, where the Bloodline, Solo and the Usos, take on Riddle, Sammy, and Owens. So, and at the end of this match, what we saw was Sammy, Riddle, and Kevin become victorious. The Bloodline comes out and says, all right, we're going to take matters into our own hands. And then you see LWO come out and return to not only save Riddle, Sammy, and Kevin, but to attack the Judgment Day. So now we see not one, not two, but four fractions get involved in a chaotic finish of Monday Night Raw. And then, like I said, it got me legitimately excited, stoked to see the possibilities of what we can do. It's been so long of a time. And, you know, LWO is, for a lot of new people, exciting. They're, is energetic. Um, and, and all that. But to see the mix with Judgment Day, to see the mix with, because the whole purpose is, is that, and I, and I believe maybe next week we'll see this or something, but one thing that we're going to be, I think we'll see at Backlash is LWO taken on the Judgment Day because of, you know, with, with the whole incident of Bad Bunny. Now, I don't, this is where it kind of leads into me. And out of this entire group, I want to talk about the Judgment Day. All right. Um, because it leads into my next conversation that I have here. The Judgment Day, um, and that is taking 10 steps back. So this all started because over the weekend, or a matter of fact, last week, there was rumors and reports that CM Punk is going to be returning to AEW. And I was thinking to myself, and, I, and I, when I first heard this news, I rolled my eyes. I was like, just, God, this is ridiculous. Why? are we having to be treated to this? Like, it's not, for me, I don't, I don't hate CM Punk. All right. I, I don't, I don't want to say that. And I'm not saying that he's not, you know, he's a future Hall of Famer. And I'm not saying anything that he's done in the past isn't rememberable. And this isn't historic, right? You know, I mean, he, he has done something that I think a lot of, you know, he has changed a new, he has changed to a new era of professional wrestling. But for me, I feel like every time he's in the news, every time he's in the story front location, CM Punk is just in the negative, right? Whether that's him commenting negative thoughts about, um, it, you know, about the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega, whether that is 
oh, he's injured, whether that is, oh, you know, he's going to take a stab at somebody. I just feel like every time Punk is in the news, it's one of those negative remarks, and it just never turns out good. There's never, never anything positive. And for me, right now in professional wrestling, okay, I'm not just talking about WWE. I'm not just talking about AEW. I'm talking about professional wrestling. What we see is a forward movement in professional wrestling. And if you're not going to jump on the same board or if you're not, you know, you're injured, people are quickly to move past you. Now, I'm not saying that CM Punk wasn't the greatest at what he did at his time. He was pretty damn good at it, but he is not the greatest anymore. Okay, there are several athletes that have legitimately surpassed him, you know, today. We're talking about Roman Reigns and the bloodline alone. We're talking about Kenny Omega, which is, to remember, two years ago, he held, what, six, seven titles at once across the board? And, you know, these are guys who are surpassing legends from the 80s and the 90s. So... My point is, is that, you, you know, you're e- everyone is easily replaceable. And I think it's a bum that CM Punk got hurt and he's out of action. And for me, that there's just no excitement right now when CM Punk decides, hey, I want to return or when he does return. For me, there's just no pop. I don't feel it. And I, I'm, not, I'm not feeling his return. And I feel like because he, and I don't know that because he's not the only one who can make a pipe bomb. He's not the only one that compete in the ring. He's not the only one that can win championships. He's not the only one that can sell merchandise. Regardless if he returns to WWE or he returns to AEW or if he even goes to a New Japan Pro Wrestling, I don't think he's the hottest entity of that brand maybe he can become a hottest entity if he joined nwa or if he joined impact wrestling possibly even ring of honor you know maybe go back to ring of honor right i I mean you know he talked so highly of making ring of honor and how much his, his career impacted because of ring of honor maybe go back to ring of honor um and he could have some sort of success over there but he just doesn't give me that excitement when he comes out of the ring. So in my sense, because of his injury, he's taken 10 steps backwards. I want to relate this to the judgment day because we take a look at the judgment day and what they're trying to do. And we proclaim, I'm not the only one that was, that came on, uh, you know, on YouTube, on social media and said, Hey, you know, the judgment day was going to have a year to remember. This is their year. I will were pointing that this was their year. And it started at WrestleMania. There were three matches that they should have all won, and yet there went one for three. Okay? And I feel like at this moment, Rhea Ripley takes a different position and threshold over the Judgment Day other than what we are seeing, you know, from Finn Balor. Finn Balor should have won his match at Hell in a Cell at WrestleMania against Edge. I there's no re, you know I think 
the storyline called for him winning, right? This match between Edge and Finn Balor a few weeks ago was because of was all because of Finn Balor and replacing Edge in the Judgment Day has made Edge's life so miserable, all right? And Edge goes on a win. I say kudos, you know, round of applause. But what does this actually do? What you know? What does this mean for Edge moving forward? So he won a Hell in a Cell match at WrestleMania. Great, congratulations. But what is was he building towards? What's next? We haven't really quite heard from him since WrestleMania. You think about the Judgment Day needing a push. A victory solidifies. Finn Balor is in his right spot. He belongs. You know, it's not like Edge came back and took over the Judgment Day. Finn Balor lost, I think, hurts a lot for the Judgment Day moving forward. This isn't a good start for the 2023 year at which they were supposed to have success at. Dominic Mysterio, Rey Mysterio. Yes, I saw this match go either way, honestly. But if they're looking to expand this storyline, how come Dominic couldn't win at WrestleMania? It would have pushed him a lot more, right? It, it would have put him at the level he could be wearing his, you know, crown up high, you know, hold his chin up high and say, hey, I beat my father. I did what I said I was going to do. I beat the deadbeat dad out of him. And now what it, what this would have sparked in my eyes is that Ray needs to find a way to get revenge and say, listen, I cannot let this happen. I think, you know, this that type of storyline moving forward pushes LWO and the Judgment Day together, pushes Ray and Dominic to a rematch, possibly at SummerSlam. In the sense of, okay, then Ray could pick up a victory and then turn the tables. Damian Priest wasn't really a part of, other than the outside interference that he was, uh, you know, with Dominic. He wasn't a part of WrestleMania a couple of weeks ago. And he kind of takes a back burner to the Judgment Day right now. He has no legitimate storyline going on other than right maybe right now with Bad Bunny. And that's the only relations he has, but Bad Bunny is not an everyday athlete. So where is his storyline fits? Where does he fit? He's just some guy right now that has incredible talent off of potential that's being wasted along the sides of helping Dominic push, and Dominic's not even getting that big push. So the Judgment Day, although Rhea Ripley won her SmackDown titles, I feel like Finn's still trying to be the face of it when we know that Rhea's going to get that push. And I guess my thing is, is that they're taking 10 steps backwards. Both Finn and Dominic losing at WrestleMania, taking 10 steps backwards. And a perfect, you know, example, a perfect, uh, you know, example of all this was last night when the Judgment Day could not handle business and fall, fell short to Sammy, Riddle, and Kevin. And I think it's just, it's hurting the fraction. It's hurting the group. And it makes you wonder if the WWE is potentially planning on dismantling the Judgment Day. Because I'm like, if, you know, it's, it's, I feel like in the next three to six months, if this continues, the Judgment Day is going to be like retribution is going to be an afterthought with very little success. And I really 
did think that there was going to be a lot of um I, I thought this year was going to be the year for the judgment day. I thought this year was going to be the year where you know Finn goes on and win, you know, it gets in the title picture, maybe even Dominic and you know Damian becomes tag team titles, you know, and, and all that fun stuff. But it I guess it troubles me that they're losing. They're going in the complete opposite direction. And a loss last night is taking 10 steps back. Now, I heard a conversation about, I heard, I, I saw an article uh, of a rumor that spread saying that when the WWE has this draft next week, that we will be seeing, that we could potentially be seeing Dominic go down to NXT. And I thought to myself, as soon as I saw that, I was like, no. What, the, you're talking about 10 steps backwards. That's 20 steps backwards. I mean, so I'm going to be honest with you. Dominic is not where I want him, to, where he, I think he should be at. And that's because he's still in this feud with his father. So there's always a resemblance. And then, I, you know, he's done a good job with the Eddie Guerrero runoff. But until Dominic, you know, he starts a lot of things to work on. And that's why he's paired with Judgment Day, because he can work on those things. But until Dominic creates a character for himself that has nothing to do with Eddie and has nothing to do with Ray, then I don't think people could start taking him seriously. I'm sorry, but this whole quote-unquote going to jail and having this new thug life, I'm not buying it. I never, I never bought it from day one, and I'm not buying it from now. And although I wouldn't necessarily d- disagree with WWE for saying, hey, Dominic, I think you need some work. Can you go down to NXT and build with some of these talents and build with your, you know, work with Sean, work with your promos, work with your selling and all that stuff? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't think it's going to benefit him in his career. And I think, you know, the clock is ticking for Ray and how long he's going to be up in the W, you know, comp- competing in wrestling. That I think Dominic going down is just going to going to, I think, tear Dominic a little bit more. Judgment Day is on a on a backward motion. And in the WWE, you got to move forward. All right. Matt Riddle. Well, let me, you know what, let's, let's cut to a break and let me explain to you about Matt Riddle in a, an example of being taken 10 steps backwards here. You guys are listening to the throw in on the TNC sports talk YouTube channel. She goes the wrong way. Like I don't give a damn girl. And my God, she owns it. So many heartbreaks goes back to 2014. And I think that she knows it. And if you've seen her, I know that you would believe it. Cause I, I know that you'd want her to. Yeah, I do. Everyone's taking their shot, but missing out on the cut. I think she knows that she drives them crazy when she's looking like that. The way she's moving makes them want it so bad. It's the attention that we wish that we had. It's almost cruel, cause I want her to. 
Alrighty, 12.43 here on the program. Welcome on back. Hey, NXT is tonight. Carmelo Hayes appears on the Grayson Waller effect. NXT Tag Team Titles Gallus takes on the Kree Brothers and Diod. I said that correctly. <laughs> and North American Championship is on the line as Wesley takes on Charlie Dempsey. That's all live tonight on NXT. I'm just uh, trying to update, you know, see what's the uh, possibilities of things moving forward and um, we'll learn more about that here later on. All right, we are back um, and we were talking about with you guys the, the taking 10 steps backwards. And we left off talking about Matt, Matt Riddle. And we're left off talking about Riddle and the concept of, all right, you're, you're taking steps back in everything that you're trying to do. And it's quite frustrating. And Matt Riddle was one of them. He got, you know, he was suspended because of whatever reasons that I don't, I think what for using illegal, you know, for failing a, a drug test from the WWE. And he was gone for uh, past WrestleMania. Now, I understand that people may believe that he is something big or special and he may get a pop, but realistically, I mean, he's not, he's realistically nothing very special. And I mean, I talked about this last week. I didn't feel like he fit right into the, you know, to this understanding of how, you know, the, where this bloodline and Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens feud progressed. I mean, I know he's had some past history with them, but he doesn't for me quite fit in to that response. So my point is, is that in professional wrestling, you're moving forward, always moving forward. And if you're not, a, you know, if you're not out there every week, if you're not relevant every week, then you fall behind, you get forgotten about. And, you know, whether it's Judgment Day, whether it's CM Punk, whether it's Riddle, there's, you know, you're easily replaceable. And if you're not going to progress forward, you're taking steps backwards in your career, then it's going to be easy to get lost in the mix. The only reason why the Judgment Day is still relevant after losing two of three matches at WrestleMania is because of Rhea Ripley, because of Rey Mysterio, because of LWO. Because of Bad Bunny. Let's let's face it. Let's be honest, right? The only reason why the Judgment Day is relevant is because of those things. If they lost, they would have just been shuffled back to the bottom of the roster. And, and okay, let me also throw in the fact that these are men that they depend on 
on Raw each and every week, which I hope when when they do this draft, they go back to two hours on Raw because there's just so much. That third hour, third hour even Triple H has stated that that third hour is you know, a bunch of content that is hard to create. Very difficult to create. So, professional wrestling is a forward-moving option. If you're not moving forward, whether it's in your career, your storyline, your feud, whatever the case may be, then you're moving backwards. All right, we got to talk about Trish Stratus as she came on last night on Raw and address the WWE in a statement about her uh, reasoning after attacking, um, after attacking uh, Becky uh, Lita backstage and costing Becky Lynch the women's tag team titles. So this is what she has to say. We're going to start with a little history lesson here, kids. When I first came to the WWE, women's wrestling was a joke. Agreed. And I proceeded to single-handedly change everything. Okay. So far with you. I brought credibility to a non-existent women's division. And I know some of you are going to say, but it was Trish and Lita. Yeah, I would say that. No, no. It was, there was no we. It no. was me. Oh, okay. I was the women's division. I was the trailblazer. I was the first woman to main event Raw, and I was the first woman to make you people give a crap about the women's division. That is very true. You will not do that. Because I changed, I changed everything. It's true. You know it. But you wouldn't believe that if you listen to Becky Lynch. See, Becky Lynch would have you believe that the women's revolution started with the four horse ladies. Yes. I mean. That they broke boundaries. That they made people care about the women's division again. About 10 years ago, yeah. Well, that statement, like you, Becky, is a joke. (laughs) Most not. I saw it back for a long while and I, I let it slide and you know I get selling yourself call yourself the man brag about your accomplishments and go on with your bad self mm. Trish Stratus is nobody's sidekick Come on, just say the beat word. this <laughs> it looks fantastic not a sidekick no Lita's not a sidekick either, to be honest. And it was getting a little sad, even a little embarrassing. So I had to take Lita out of the picture because, oh. you know, to put her out of her misery. Yeah, I did that. Just to be <laughs> clear, because you guys are a bit slower. I did that. You did? I no took way. out Lita. Yeah. And the reason I needed Lita out of the picture is because I needed it to be crystal clear that the person who screwed Becky Lynch out of her titles was me. Okay. I am not a nostalgia act. I am not your childhood fantasy, and I sure as hell am nobody's sidekick. Alrighty. I am the greatest of all time, and I am the single most important figure in the history of WWE, and I'm here to make sure none of you forget it. 
All right. I think that is well said. All honesty. I mean, Trish. Let's not forget that Trish Stratus. And we can argue this until we're blue in the face, right? I think we can understand that Trish Stratus is not just some woman who, how do you put this? I agree. There are, over the last, ever, over, ever since the WWE, and I think before the WWE came fun, and before Vince McMahon, Women try, you know, for the longest time, women always were a thought of being glamorous, gorgeous on television for the men to view. And it was a way to have people tune in. But there was people like Trish, people like Lita, people but like Beth Phoenix, females like, you know, the great Mulan, you know you know, May Young, that revolutionized women's wrestling. And, you know, Trish Stratus and Lita, it was a difficult time. And I validate her explanation. It was, you know, Trish Stratus and Lita was 20 years ago. And Becky, the Becky Lynch and the Four Horsewomen were about 10 years ago, right? Where... This was a little bit more fresh, a little bit more more rejuvenated. And it is arguably, yeah, Trish Stratus was a huge part, along with Lita, along with women like Victoria and Stable, uh, who made an impact, who showed everyone that women can wrestle. They could put on the good storylines and good matches, thanks to Finley. Cannot can't mention can't have this conversation without mentioning Finley. And I get it. Trish Stratus, leaders should be on the same page. You know, at the end of the day, these these two women, you know, were the epitome of the women's division. And and yes, you know, there was many women that came after them that tried to do the same thing. And you know, it was a movement and it still is a movement because women are still growing in the wrestling industry and they're doing things for the very first time that we never thought of or heard of or things that, you know, are outdoing the men. I'm, I'm sorry, but, you know, prime example, NXT ladder match back at Stand and Deliver with the uh, with Roxanne Perez and the other women. That was phenomenal. And I loved them every ounce of that match. You know, Rhea Ripley and Charlotte Flair just had an incredible match at WrestleMania. I think this is working up to be a, an extremely, extremely good feud. I think they, they're keeping it simple. Now, I came on here last week and I told you guys, I just didn't like the way that Trish went about it. It felt like they were out of sync or they weren't organized as well, and I and I'll stand by that to be honest. All right, let's face it, and, and maybe both of them could look back and watch and be like, "Yeah, I agree with you. We could have done a little bit better." But the ultimate point is, is that under, I think it's flat out. We understand what the situation is and why Trish did what she did, and 
you know, there are validations for that. Becky Lynch has been one who thinks that she's at the top of the game. And currently right now on the roster, she could be one of the tops. Absolutely. But she wasn't the one who created all of this. You don't see Bailey going around and Bailey's. Yeah, go ahead. But you don't see Sasha Banks or Charlotte Flay going around saying we created all of this. And I think when it comes down to Lita, when it comes down to even Trish just alone, she does need to address all four horsewomen if that's the case, because they do claim that they started this woman's revolution. But if it wasn't for females like Trish, who did what they did at a, at a time where it was unheard of and it was actually frowned upon, then we, you know, then they, they wouldn't be here today. Right? It would be inspirations. I think this is a nice, simple rivalry that is self-explained and it's entertaining. And we and hopefully, you know, this match between Becky and Trish at some point can break off into something exciting, something that is motivating down the road. And we're seeing two generations of phenomenal athletes going to be going to get, you know, going one-on-one with each other at some point. I don't know if that's going to be at Backlash or, you know, a lot of people say that this match is going to be at uh, SummerSlam this year. So, Becky Lynch and Trish Stratus. Are we excited about the match? Are we excited about a potential match with these two females? Two top-of-their-game females. I mean, Trish looks phenomenal. She does look like she has what it takes. I just think she's been out of the ring a little too long to, you know, that it's going to take time. But can can this storyline get over to the next level, to the way that they want to tell this overall? Our number one is complete. We're going to wrap up wrestling conversations right now because we got a lot of stuff to talk about in our number two among the NBA, the NHL, the Cincinnati Reds, the NFL, and some breaking news coming out of the NFL that I think a lot of people will be proud of. Don't go nowhere. Our number two is coming on back here on the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel. Alrighty, hour number two here on the program. I want to welcome everyone back to the throwing back to our beginning of the week and want to give a shout out and say thank you to our home of the audio platforms and Spreaker from my heart radio. Spreaker is the proud home of where the throw-in is uploaded each and every episode. Don't miss this episode. Take us out on the road by downloading us on all major audio platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, 
and much more. The throne is available. If they're not available, you can't find it. Look, look me up. DM me. Let me know. And I'll be able to find that out for you as well. Spreaker, you're able to see your analytics and be able to monetize your uh, episodes that you upload, your podcast. Check out Spreaker.com for more information. Just coming in across the way, we got to we gotta break in some of this news. And, you know, throughout the last segment, I've just kind of been glancing over. Because I, whenever I do this program, I like to have uh, sports, uh, sport, you know, Sports Center or ESPN on uh, in the background. And I'm like, oh, no way. This can't be. And it is. So coming back, some breaking news, some big breaking news. According to Bill's GM, uh, Bill's general manager, Brandon Bean, who's told reporters today that Hamlin, DeMar Hamlin, has been cleared to resume football activities. DeMar Hamlin was the safety who collapsed in, at Paycor Stadium last season during a Monday night football game early in the first quarter and was rushed to the hospital. Pronounced he had a heart, he had a complications chest complications um back on that monday night football was a week before week 18 and um they stopped the game it was very touching very heartfelt and uh he's making a you know amazing comeback and according to general manager brandon bean uh today demar saw his last specialist on friday long and short of it when he left Cincinnati, he came here to Buffalo General. He saw a couple of specialists here in Buffalo. And then since then, he's seen three additional specialists, most recently on Friday. They're all in arrangement agreement. It's not two to one, not three to one or anything like that. They're all in lockstep of what this was and that he is cleared to resume full activities just like anyone else who was coming back from an injury or whatever. It was said by uh, general manager of the Buffalo Bills. He also says that, so he's fully cleared. He's here and he is of the mind, you know, mindset. He is in a great headspace to come back and make a return. I think that is just amazing. You know, we're seeing, you know, the, last year I think held a lot of injuries. I think it shocked a lot of people. And, you know, we saw two attack of Viola with concussions. But I think what ended up happening on that night was... I think it it put us at a pause because no one ever went through the, you know, it's once in a lifetime that you ever experience something. And this was a natural effect. And, you know, you, a lot of people say he literally died on the field. They revived him. He was in critical condition. To the point where they stopped the NFL game, which respectfully right so. But he, the fact that, you know, we're sitting here in April. That was June, July, January, February, March, 
four months after this condition, several, several specialists and doctor's appointments later, and Damar Hamlin is capable of returning as the safety to the Buffalo Bills. And I, I, I wanted just to be the first out here and say I wish him the best of luck. Now, for me, just like a Tua Tagovailoa situation makes you very cautious and makes you very concerned moving forward with a player that has sustained such great injuries. Because we don't know any long-term effect that this could potentially cause us. And we want to do everything we can, not just the Buffalo Bills, but the fans of NFL and everyone else, to prevent an incident like this from happening. So, I, you know, and I'm not no doctor. I'm not going to go say what he needs to do. It's not a two-to-one call like they mentioned. It was all specialists agreed that he's capable of returning to football, which I think is fantastic news. I'm, I'm going to sit here on my end and just be concerned. You know, he's going to, you know, he's back with the team as teams reported back, you know, this week heading into the draft, heading into, you know, the preparation of the preseason. And there are concerns that I think we are taking, at least I take, when it comes down to something like this. I get concerned that, you know, I don't want to, I want to do everything we can to prevent this. But I think this is a statement that I think DeMar Hamlin needs, the players who get injured needs, and saying, all right, I am going to do what I can to take care of myself. And there's no doubt that he is. But then to be able to come back onto the field. Now, I don't know what his future is going to hold. I don't know how much longer he's going to decide that how he wants to play. I'm sure he's going to want to play as long as he can. And I'm okay with that. So, you know, as long as they're proper care. I guess if I'm the Buffalo Bills, I hope that they do just proceed with caution. But I, you know, it's, it's the mix, and I don't want to ruin the damper. So congratulations back to DeMar Hamlin. I can't wait to see him at practice on the field. I can't wait to see him on opening, you know, on the first game of the season. I think this is where great news, remarkable news coming out of April the 18th, and the news that we will remember in history today as we head into the NFL draft. You know what else we have to start remembering? is this NFL contract that Jalen Hurst signed. He agreed to five years, $255 million, excuse me, with the Philadelphia Eagles, the highest paid player on an annual basis in the NFL history. Let's break you down some of the numbers that came into this contract here. Total guaranteed is $179.3 million. Fully guaranteed at signing. So when Jalen Hurts signed this contract 
is going to be $110 million, fully guaranteed by March 2024, will be $126.5 million. First, no, a non-trade no clause in Eagle history also. Talking about breaking down barriers. And this is a huge contract for a t- quarterback who had a lot to prove this year, went to the Super Bowl but lost to the Kansas City Chiefs. And he gets this historical deal. Now, I think it makes you question, okay, so if Jalen Hurts gets this deal, and by the way, you think he's only 24, 25? If Jalen Hurts gets this deal, then why can't Joe Burrow get this mega contract? See, this is where the question, I think, leans towards a bit, right? Because we have... You're seeing contracts thrown out there left and right. And the contracts state that, hey, listen, quarterbacks are going to get paid. And they're going to get paid more and more as the years go on. And Jalen Hurts got his money after after a season. Joe Burrow is going to get paid. But how much do you think now, knowing that this is what Jalen Hurts is going to get, how much do you think Joe Burrow will accept? Now, I understand that Joe Burrow is like, all right, yeah, you know what? I'm going to listen. You know, I feel like I'm going to do, you know, I want to make sure that I don't take too much so that, you know, the Bengals can go out and sign other players. But at the end of the day, isn't it just all about money still? I mean, isn't it all about player, you know, getting paid and making sure that you're, you know, especially early on? So, you know, for me, I just, I guess... When I look at Jalen Hurts in this deal, okay, and I, I kind of look at this, you know, what does this mean for the Cincinnati Bengals? That means Joe Burrow could potentially be like, listen, I think I'm worth that much. And you know what? If if Joe Burrow walks in and says, hey, I'm worth 250, I'm worth $300 million for six years. You know what? I think he is worth $300 million for six, seven years, or even for four or five years. and the Bengals are going to have to decide if that's just something that they're going to go down or not. Because what we've already seen is we've seen a huge chunk of the Bengals roster, defensive roster, leave, right? I mean, the Bengals have doing their due diligence again and going out and trying to stack up this offensive line to protect Burr. All right, they have Irv Smith Jr., who I think uh, Zach Taylor is pretty confident about throwing in at the tight end position because Hayden Hurst is no longer with the team. You also got, uh, who's that other tight end? Um, I think it's uh, Sam, not Sam. Uh, gosh, I, I, I know, that I'm remembering the name. I forgot the name off the top of my head. But they have that uh, other, you know, tight end that's looking to bounce back and have a breakout year. So, you know, and, and this and all this, you know, greatness is that, you know, we still need defensive players that are going to give us, you know, that number, you know, top five defense that we were last year. We need, you know, we still need some X, Y, and Z factors that we hope, you know, we hopeful to get into the draft. 
but if we know we have now an idea of possibly what Joe Burrow is going to be asking for coming up here very shortly. And if we go dump 260 to 275 to even 300 million dollars in quarter in Joe Burrow which like I testify I think he is worth that x figure amount then there's just that much less room for the Bengals to go out there and sign veteran guys that we know can get the job done. You know, we're going to go back to being reluctant on, you know, and I hope that whatever this deal is, you know, we'd be reluctant on going off of young rookie talents. Now, you already have an established, you know, offensive team. But then I think the questions start opening up a little bit more. You know, are we going to get rid of Joe Joe Mixon? Or, you know, what are we going to do with defensively? I think this also maybe changes the draft pick. So what what this has done, this has given us a baseline, right? Jalen Hurst, in signing with this new deal with the Eagles, has given, I think, the Bengals a baseline. Saying, I, I think I would be remarkably surprised to see Joe Burrow accept anything less than 250 on a th- on a five seven year deal. So you're thinking about all right, I'm gonna pay my quarterback above two hundred fifty million dollar deal down the road. I'm gonna have to free up some cat space. That means these guys I can't resign. So what do we do? Do we just keep on which now then you go into the draft, which is in just in nine days away, right? A day from um uh, from third you know, a week from Thursday, and you ask yourself, all right, what is next? Well do we still go the offensive line approach or because we we know that we may have to go conceal a deal with Joe Burrow that's worth almost a quarter of a, a quarter of a billion dollars right to maybe we have to reconstruct our draft to defensive players to help us out so i, I think this provides a really big interesting storyline among what is going on in the NFL. And I think Jalen Hurts, and congratulations to Jalen Hurts, signing this, like I said, five-year, $255 million contract with, you know, the highest paid player on the annual base in NFL history. No trade clause or anything like that. He's going to be with the Eagles through 2028. And hopefully the Eagles have some point have a Super Bowl win with them because it would be a major loss if they don't. To see Jalen Hurst come to the point where he was almost becoming an afterthought to being like, all right, now I'm going to get the highest paid quarterback. But like I said, the baseline is just with Jalen Hurst because as we see Joe Burrow make that deal at some point, as soon as we see, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, if they continue, they're going to be cutting a deal like that at some point down the road. And then you see as a quarterback, you see guys like Bryce Young is coming into this court, you know, into this draft, uh, CJ Stroud. This is where NFL is going to be at here in the next three to five years. We're going to see easily by 2028, three, 300 to 350, 350 million dollar contract signings for these quarterbacks that are still yet to come. And I think it's just, it's fathomably ridiculous, crazy, like exciting, but crazy at the same time. 
So uh, a lot of talk there. All right, our number one continues. We're going to come back and get you all the highlights and updates of the Cincinnati Reds as they beat the Tampa Bay Rays yesterday. Hunter Green left after just three innings. How is he doing? We'll tell you all about that still to come. You're listening to The Throwing here on the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel. Hunter Green coming off his best effort of the season. Did not walk a man, struck out 10. Randy Rosarena returns to the Rays lineup. Nice handle, Sinzella, the in-between hop. Rosarena's out despite a blistering one hopper to the third base. One, two, three, first. Jalen Beeks against Kevin Newman. That's a hitter swing. A Rosarena watches and it clears. Bye-bye baseball. Home run, Kevin Newman. The Viking helmet out, the cape on. Well, it appears that the Reds will have a new pitcher after Hunter Green got hit on the shin with the ground ball. He is out of the ball game. So, of course, we hope the best for Hunter. Here's Josh Lowe of Blue Pete his first time. Indy, a hard break to his right. Scoops on the forehand. Shovel on a bounce. And Barrero picks it. It was a glove scoop from India. But he's able to get the out on the fourth and second. And the inning is over. So double, walk, walk. Bases loaded. DJ Friedel will walk his first time up. And Friedel lines it to right center field. That is down. It's in the gap. And it's going to score at least two. Friedel back to second. And just does get back to second. But it's a three-run double for TJ Friedel. And the Reds have a 4-0 lead. Four-run lead in some peril. Bases loaded, two outs. The third reliever of the night is Ian Chabot. Manuel Margot is set to step in against him. Chip to right, tough play. Fraley extends and he makes the catch. What a play by Jake Fraley. And I didn't think Fraley had a chance. A huge run-saving play by Fraley. Red still leading four to nothing. Defense proved to be the game changer. Yeah, that's why we show these kind of things because it's not doesn't necessarily show up in the scorebook, but just as important as some of the offense tonight. Preserved the shutout so far in the game, Jake Fraley. So Fairchild is at first, and that puts India into scoring position. Here's Tyler Stevenson. He's over three. Smoke pass, short base hit. India around third. He scores. It's five nothing. Kevin Newman, a home run, a double, rolled again, pass short. Fairchild scores, Stevenson up to second, 6-0. The Rays have homered in all 16 games out of the game. Well, here we go on to the ninth. Josh Lowe sends this one deep into center field, all the way to the wall and gone. And he hits it out. Well, if the Rays don't come all the way back, it, at least they did that. They kept their home run streak going. They had homered at every game this season. So two gone. And now hitting Vidal Bruhan. Kevin Hergett splashed into the show as a ray. Now as a red. Gets the final out as the Reds rock the Rays. They take baseball's best. They take the opener eight to one. Alrighty. Well, some excitement coming out of Cincinnati last night. And I think it feels good to talk about the uh, the Reds picking up the victory over the Tampa Bay Rays, considerably one of the best teams uh, in baseball today coming into yesterday's game, 14-2. and two. They didn't lose their first game until over the weekend, a matter of fact. And it's like, well, great. You know, and, the, and you know, this is, you know, the continuance of a 20-game, 20 consecutive games in a row and 
Um, it seemed like everything kind of just fit together. The Rays put up one run in eight hits, one error. The Reds, eight runs, seven hits, and two errors. And, you know, I was listening to Locked On Reds this morning, getting ready for the program. And I, you know, he kind of, uh, they were time, kind of talking about how the lineup was adjusted for just the Rays itself. And David Bell did quite a good job. I mean, you know, you saw Sinzel up there in the middle of the lineup. Uh, Friedel, you know, was one for three last night, and he was batting ninth. And so you saw a lot of contributions. Uh, Kevin Newman, you know, this is the guy, this is the reason why we picked this guy up heading into this season because he, you know, he puts on performances like he did last night. Two, three for four, two runs scored in, two RBIs including a home run in the second inning off of Beaks. And, uh, you know, we kind of got ourselves a little bit of scare yesterday because Hunter Green, the starter, only goes in for three innings, giving up three hits, one striking out one batter. He gets a ball in the third inning, bounced off of his, um, his leg, the leg that wraps around um, so his right leg that wraps around, it gets kind of hits off his leg. And he ended up, um, they ended up taking him out of the game. They did x-rays and he looks pretty good. Uh, so, which is exciting. Um, and they still pick up a victory, which got you nervous. But let's hear what Hunter Green had to say about his injury. Uh, it's super tight. <laughs> but um, yeah, it sucks. Um you know, bullpen did an amazing job. I don't even want to talk about myself. I just want to talk about the team. Everybody did a great job uh, being able to come in, and um, especially Buck. Uh, Buck was super last minute with uh, getting the, the, the nod to come in, um, and he was able to, to get out there. And um, I was talking to him. I know he wanted to finish with two innings, you know, just with his own um, self-work and, and stuff. But uh, I'm really happy for him and the rest of the staff did an amazing job. How thankful are you that the x-rays were negative and the concern would be your next start? Is there concern over that? Yeah, happy that it's negative. Um, it sucks. I mean, I, I want to make every start, um, you know, so I'm going to do my best to uh, work on, you know, trying to get to 100% so I can make my next start. I really wanted to finish that inning. I knew I could finish it. Um, but, yeah, as soon as I, like, came in and kind of stood, I wasn't really moving and activating it. It tightened up right away. It would be foolish to go back out there. I mean, I really wanted to just to go out there and uh, be able to compete for the team, but I would be using nothing but arm and just it's too early in the season and it just wouldn't make sense. To deal with the adversity of being hit, you know, in, in that inning and then being able to throw that pitch for that strikeout, um, I think just really happy just for myself and, and my, my development, the amount of work that I put in in that pitch and knowing that um, I can execute that pitch moving forward for the rest of the season and beyond. Just keeping guys off balance. Steve did a pretty good job with his game calling uh, for those three. And um, my stuff wasn't as sharp as before, but I think I was able to, to come out of there without any runs because of that, uh, being able to mix up timing. And uh, they're, they're a team that has really good pitch selection. Um, you know, they don't strike out a whole ton. Um, they will take their walks. You know, they won't really chase, but the right guys being able to expand and uh, set up those, those pitches are super important with these guys. So that was Hunter Green in the 
conversation about his the ball that went off of his right leg. And they took him out after three innings to preserve him. Uh, they he went back, he did x-rays, and everything came out negative, which is a good thing. So, you know, if you expect him to pitch in five days, we're talking about Saturday or Sunday against the Pirates. Now, if you're asking me, we we don't want to do anything to provoke or to injure Hunter Green at any chance because he's going to play such a key factor. So, you know, to you know, the weather is kind of, you know, warming up, which is great. You give him a couple of days rest. You hit on the road over the weekend. And I say you kind of wait until the beginning of next week. If it was up to me, I would wait until next week and be let's reevaluate him and, you know, see where he's at. Give him a couple extra days because you don't want anything to affect him at any point. Um, when it comes down to it, you know, when we got to the bullpen, Buck Farmer was the first guy out there. He pitched an inning and a third, giving up one hit. And whenever your starting pitcher, especially your ace pitcher, as in Green or Lodolo or even Ashcraft for that matter, gets taken out of the game after three innings because of an injury, it not only scares you for the future, but it scares you because you go into the bullpen. And, and let's be honest, this bullpen isn't a bullpen that this bullpen is not the greatest. This bullpen has its fair share of troubles. And when you get so early on in that game, and I think those three runs in the bottom of the fourth inning really helped the Reds in the bullpen to give confidence. You get throwing Alex Young, you got Gibbot in there, and Hergert, who, you know, Herget, who goes two innings, giving up two hits, one run. And it's like, okay, well, there is some sort of confidence that when the Reds had to pick up the last six innings of the ball game, like, okay, that's a good way to go into a series. And you're, you just got done beating one of the better teams in baseball today because of it. And we also want to hear about what David Bell had to say when it came down to the Reds um, and how they performed in last night's victory here. Here is David Bell with um, uh, with his updates last, last night. Easy and, and, and well-deserved to point to the bullpen and the job that, that they did. You know, you lose your starter that early in the game uh, for the game to end up like that. A lot of things have to go right, and uh, our, our, start, or, sorry, our, our bullpen did a great job. Um, there were big defensive plays and then big hits along the way. In particular, I thought um, T.J. Friedel's hit with the bases loaded there, and then Jake Fairley's play, um, just kind of you know picking picking teammates up, making big plays to kind of stop momentum. Uh, that that play that was one of the best plays I've seen on here. Well, it, it's it's not uh, fractured or anything like that, but um, those those type of contusions yet yet to be um, on top of it because they can't turn into. Um, a bigger issue, so um, I know our training staff has been on top of it, and as of right now, you know, the, the goal is to have them make the next up. They're asked to do a lot, and they're, you know, asked to go into games and, you know, turning points of games against the best of hitters and um, when the game's on the line, uh, you know, it, and 
I'm happy with the job that they've done. I mean, they've really, you know, up and down the line, they've all um, gone above and beyond really their role even coming into the season. So um, we've asked a lot of them early, and um, but I think that's a good thing. I think they, you know, they're getting more and more confident as a group, um, individually and as a group. I mean, we know that this is going to be a building team, right? This is no no surprise, no secrets. And we knew that there was going to be struggles. And it does get very scary when you sit there and you're like, hey, you know, we have, um, you know, Hunter Green who had a scare yesterday and, and, you know, the bullpen. But, I, you know, listen, you go out there, you, be, you beat a team that's 14-2, and two, and you do it with your bullpen and you just do it with playing, you know, simple baseball. You know, you know you're not going to go hit, you know, three or four home runs in a game off of the Rays. It's, it's, you know, right now where they're at in this season. And, you know, Kevin Newman, you know, three for four, he was a triple layer of the cycle. Um, it makes me look forward to the remainder of the, of the home stands, right? So I'm taking this by stands alone. Right, they had a six-game home stands to begin the season off, which they finished off. But they won three and they were three and two because the last game was postponed to September, and then they didn't do so great against um, Philadelphia on the road and Atlanta. And they what? They went one for seven, and then they come back home. They took two of two, two of four, and against Philadelphia, so that. Right now, the three and two on their home stands. And what better way before you head off on the road to Pittsburgh that you go on and take a two of three against, you know, against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. And I think that I, I sit here and I say, okay, that is, let's go. I, I'm, I'm all for it. And picking up a victory last night just kind of, puts me in that position of okay they can win they can they have a good chance at winning tonight when they throw Nick Lodolu out there on the mound they have a chance of winning on sun on Wednesday if even if that's you know either Connor Overton or if that's even um I guess uh, Luis Sessa or even Graham Ashcraft I mean so to finish off this home stance I think it would be important and I think it'd be a very beneficial homestands, and I would be very proud of the Reds if they could go on and take two of three before they head on on the road to Pittsburgh in a four-game series. So that's what they're looking forward to tonight. Uh, first pitch is at six forty. Tampa Bay Rays come into tonight's game fourteen and three. We'll take on the Cincinnati Reds, which are who are seven and nine. For Tampa Bay, you have Taj Bradley. Who last pitch against Boston on the twelfth of April? He's one and zero on the season. He's with the comes in with a four five point four ERA. As Nick Lodolu, who's last pitched on April thirteenth against the Phillies, he coming in today's game two and zero with a two point one two ERA, only giving up eight hits and two runs. Very good numbers from both pitchers in their last outing. So expect tonight to be a really good matchup. I expect um, Nick Lodulu kind of going, you know, giving the bullpen a little bit of a break and then coming on back and trying to take the series. And it's a great way to wrap up, you know, a 
homestands tonight and tomorrow. So great. Can't wait to come back and talk about it uh, tomorrow after the game. So we'll talk about that. Hey, let's 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 get to our last break of the day. Let's get you up to date with the NHL and the NBA playoffs. Talk about the ejection that Draymond Green had last night against the Kings. Hmm, that's all still to come. Bottom half of the program, you're listening to The Throwing here on the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel. Bottom half of the hour, go ahead and want to talk to you guys a little bit about the TNC Sports Talk merchandise page, which is back. You guys can grab your jackets, hoodies, tank tops, coffee mugs, notepads, pillows, tapestries, whatever it is, thanks to TeePublic. You guys can get today's merchandise by heading on over to tpublic.com forward slash user forward slash TNC dash sports dash talk today. You guys also see on, if you guys are watching this, this is the QR code. Scan the QR code and uh, it'll take you right to the page. I got a meeting at 9 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, but I'm expected to be still doing a show at some point tomorrow. So... I know I'm lazy. I guess you call me lazy at when we actually tell you or right, up to date when we're doing a show, but we're live. Bottom of, of the of hour number two, wrapping up the program. Breaking news coming out of the today's Buffalo Bills general manager, uh, Brandon Bean, has officially announced that DeMar Hamlin is clear to resume full football activities as an article came out today. It's all over ESPN, NFL Network. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, who was, uh, who collapsed uh, and uh, in, the, in other words, died on the football field back in January on Monday Night Football in a game on the road against the Bills to practically determine the seeding for the AFC playoff race. The game was canceled halfway through the four, first quarter when DeMal Hamlin collapsed. Uh, uh, CPR recitation was performed on the field and he was made a recovery, came home to Bu- Buffalo, and according to general manager, says that DeMar Hamlin has been cleared to resume football activities. So that was breaking news coming out of today, which I we just we're just happy. Congratulations to him. Hopefully, um, everything works, you know, is well and he's healthy. I'm always concerned as a concerning person can be. Um, hold on one second. I'm just texting the wife because uh, we just bought ourselves a bird feeder, which is right there on my patio. And I see it and you can see the birds just flying and she's so excited. Um, um, 
Uh, and so it just provided an update, you know, when you have like four or five of them on the tray at once. So DeMar Hamlin returns, uh, exciting time. Um, all right, so kind of one thing I want to talk to you before we get down to NHL and NBA playoff highlights and whatnot. Uh, we have had um, uh, some interesting news. Okay, I want to invite you guys here. Uh, loves, uh, you know, now, so we've been working with Enlightened Studios the last couple of months, and summertime is approaching us, and we continue to work with Enlightened Studios. Love's not enough. Uh, not love's not enough. Excuse me. That was a theater play that was put on. Enlightened Studios have a lot more than theater plays, by the way. Uh, they got theater, they got films, they got painting, they got other activities. Enlightened Studios Incorporation uh, it thrives itself off of building other people up around them. Uh, and they have these upcoming festivals in Cincinnati that they're volunteering and they will like you to con- to join them and volunteer with you guys, with them. Uh, enjoy, you know, a, a summer full of live music, uh, great foods and great beverages at this year's 2023 Cincinnati festivals down there on the levee uh, and Newport. And it's right there on the riverbanks, that little by the Newport aquarium, just right down there. Um, and uh, they want you to volunteer. We got three festivals coming up. The first one is the Italian festival from June 8th through the 11th, the taco festival from June 23rd through the 25th and the Celtic festival from July 14th through the 16th. Okay, uh, they recommend, you know, they're asking volunteers, volunteer with them and keep your tips. Yes, that's a very big incentive for asking you guys to volunteer and being part of this group. It's a wonderful time. Hoping I could get out there and do a couple of live programs with them. Uh, if you guys are interested and in wanting to take part of this today, email enlightenedstudios.cincy at gmail.com. That is enlightenedstudios.com dot cincy at gmail.com for more information hurry up quick they are filling up pretty fast so get your uh time slots reserved today like i said you got to keep your tips and i mean it's great stuff that they're going on so excited to be a part of enlightened studios and what they do each and every day i playoffs are among us the nhl just began yesterday with a handful of games uh, and they continue into today, and we are going to be following these games. Now, I, I'm not too knowledgeable or too in-depth with playoff games, but it's an exciting time. So we kicked things off of yesterday as Carolina beat the uh, New York Islanders 2-1. to one. Boston beat Florida 3-1. to one. Minnesota beat Dallas in overtime 3-2. to two. And the Los Angeles Kings beat Edmonton 4-3 to three in overtime. Um, just kind of theories and thoughts. Uh, I like Boston. I like Los Angeles. Nothing against any other team, but those are just kind of what I've been favorite towards. Today, we have the New York Rangers and the New Jersey Devils uh, taking, you know, for the first game coming up. Tampa Bay and Toronto is also later on today. Winnipeg and Vegas tonight at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. And then Seattle and Colorado also tonight so um if you guys are wanting to watch some hockey playoffs uh be my guest uh, tune on find anything on i know the hockey network but they got a couple other channels going on all right we also got the nba playoffs that's been lurking through as yesterday philadelphia beat brooklyn 96 to 84 
and Sacramento beat Golden State uh, 114 to 106. Uh, today's games, we got Atlanta Hawks taking on Boston Celtics, the New York Knicks taking on Cleveland Cavaliers, and the Los Angeles Clippers on the road to take on the Phoenix Suns. That's all today's games uh, ahead of us down the road. So a lot of great stuff going on. Playoff time. I just, you know, one thing that I feel which is just bad for I don't, the one thing I don't like is how um um is how long NBA can push out these basketball games. So that's kind of where I'm like, eh, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, they, they just really make it, uh, they, uh, they just make it kind of difficult. Um, all right. So last night, let's address the elephant in the room because last night, and by the way, if you guys are wanting to watch DeMar Hamlin right now, he's on ESPN. I'm sure there's going to be videos all over the place. And maybe tomorrow we'll talk a little bit more about DeMar Hamlin. So last night, it seems like the Golden State Warriors and the Sacramento Kings have been getting into some big heat over the last few games as this first round continues. The one thing I'm going to say about the playoffs, for any, any playoffs for that matter, it gets very personal. It gets very aggressive and intense. And sometimes things happen that, um, you know, in the spite of wanting to win. If you're not there wanting to win, then what are you there for? So, and it seems like, you know, Draymond Green wants to win, but he seems to be on the bad end of all of this. Um, Green was ejected in yesterday's ball game as the the Warriors lost one fourteen to one hundred six, as the Sacramento Kings go up two to nothing in the first round. Um, reportedly, Green believes he's hurt his ankles when the Kings big man grabbed it. And what they're referring to, um, there was a yet another controversial last night when um, when there was some in the fourth quarter. Uh, incident came, um, you know, where there was Malachi uh, Monk who missed a floater. Uh, Sacramento Kings, uh, DeMontis Sabanos was on the ground after the missed shot, and he grabbed Green's foot from there. Um, he was assessed and flagrant uh, for one foul for that, but Green, in frustration, stomped on some Bosnus chest while he was still on the ground green was assessed for flagrant two fouls and ejected from the game as a result kings went on to win the game uh scoring 23 points in the last seven minutes uh of the game without green on the floor i you know i kept on watching this and i i think i have to argue both sides of the ball game let's be honest um you know, of sadness, he kind of looked like he did grab the foot and held on to it a little bit to kind of prevent uh, Draymond to go toward, you know, to move down the court. Maybe that was instant reaction, but I still believe that Draymond 
you know, foot. Like, he looked like he was stomping on the center chest of Sabaznis. Um, after the game, Sabaznis needed to receive x-ray surgery on his ribs and lungs, the area where Green stamped on him, according to ESPN, Adam Rognoreski. However, according to Mark Spears, he wasn't the only player to get x-rayed after the game. Green also requested an x-ray on his right ankle after feeling soreness, and he reportedly believed that he injured it when he came when it came to when Sabadness grabbed his ankle. Green attempted to justify what happened by cl- uh, claiming that he had nowhere else to put his foot and that the officials were letting the Kings grab him. My, he, he goes on to say is in the press conference after the game, he says, and I quote, my leg got grabbed. Second time in two nights, referees just watched it. I got to land my foot somewhere, and I'm not the most stretchable person, so I'm not stretching that far. I can only step so far before putting my leg down. Now, okay, there's a balance circumstance. If you if you haven't watched this, I recommend going back and watching it. I'm not putting it on, on the air here uh, to today, but go back and watch this incident. And I mean, this is going to be a controversial it's seen in my belief because what do you who are you going to believe for one and does it really matter you know this is going to be an aggressive postseason and you know when you're that good of a player you know the opponents are going to do whatever they take to kind of ruin that and sabotage that yet again you know same thing with the referees they're if you're that good of a player they're going to watch you and if you have a past then they're going to pay attention for you and uh, I mean, you know, I, you know, I've been listening to it all the time. I'm not gonna play the entire highlights or interviews and all that stuff. Um, I'm just reading what's available on the CBS article and then kind of weighing in my thoughts and opinion. They continue to write. It's unclear what, if any, X-rays on Green's ankle showed. Game three is on. You know, series will take place on Thursday in San Francisco. Through an injury isn't the only thing Green will need to worry about. He, as he will also face possible league discipline for the foul. Green, all right, let me continue this article here before we forget, before we wrap up. Green has been suspended in the postseason before, all the way back to 2016 NBA Finals. Now, whether it's due to, uh, to his ankle or disciplinary discipline, from the league office, there appears to be a chance that he'll miss another critical playoff game for the Warriors, which is going to be, I think, honestly, this, I think this puts in some bigger and badder news, in my opinion, that leads towards, all right, what's going on? Um, You know, there's going to be argument about how this, you know, what this play was legitimate. I think at the end of the day, when you, you don't have a place to step, I get it. I would stumble to the ground, but the motion and the his body language looked like he was intentionally stomping down. Regardless if Sabanis grabbed onto his leg for any extent period of time, and I, I like the official's call for you know pointing a foul towards Sabanis because you know yeah he I think he held onto the leg a little too long and and I think it was intentional. Right. 
but the same, you know, there's actions throughout the game where I think this was warranted. Where you you knew this, these two men were going to get into it at some point. The stomping on the chest, where now he's defenseless, I think is going. You know, is the bigger fraction for you know for um, gosh, excuse me, <laughs> I have a brain. <laughs> I'm having like a brain aneurysm here, but for, uh, you know, Draymond Green. And regardless, I think, you know, if there is something to show on the x-rays, I think this is a little petty, but if there is something to show on the x-rays, then I think the, N- the NBA official, league officials need to consider that in the consideration. But it already looks bad on Draymond when he has a past record showing and he is also someone who is dealing, you know, is currently dealing with this, you know, Sacramento Kings team. This is a best out of five, right? We're heading into game three where Golden State is down two games to none already in the season, right? I mean, in this postseason. Without Draymond Green in that lineup or on the field for any time, he's going to have to get over himself. He's going to have to come to a point where, all right, I got to do what I got to do. I got to get over myself and I got to be here and try to win for the team and put my differences aside, put my ego aside and say, just get through it and we'll get to the next game. But the way that Draymond Green acts, I think it becomes, and I'm not saying he's not validated. He's validated, but we already know it's hurting him and he's hurting him in the long run. And I think that's where it hurts the most, right? Especially for the Warriors who expect better from their players. So they'll get the night off. They'll get the next two days off. They'll come back to, uh, I mean, they'll just head up to Golden's, you know, to, to their arena, you know, say bus drive over and they'll get a chance to, you know, kind of shape things for game three. Well, very because they don't have many rooms for mistake. The next game you lose is over. Right? Their playoff season's over and Sacramento moves on. So I don't know. I thought this was kind of ridiculous. Uh, I just I don't I don't necessarily see much of it other than it's like it's playoffs. Let them let the guys play. You get hurt, you get hurt. You can say the game's unfair. Well, you know what? You, you, you're going to receive what you give out. And both teams won it. However you want to look at it, both teams won it. All right. Wrap it up on the program. want to thank everyone for tuning in. Hit that like, share, and subscribe, subscribe button. Be sure to tune us back in tomorrow for another edition of The Throw-In. And, man, we're just getting our, our week started. So, I want to say so long until tomorrow. Thank you guys for listening and watching the throw one here on the TNC Sports Talk YouTube channel.